Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. You may be seated. Glad you're here today. Do me a favor. Look to someone sitting somewhat near you and say, you look exceptionally well today. Would you do that? Even if they don't, do that anyway. We make them feel good. Well, we're so glad you're with us this morning, and uh, I introduced them just a little bit earlier, but today we're honored to have uh, Pastor John Pomeroy with us and New Anthem Church, and would you, I've told him ahead of time that you would laugh at everything he says that is somewhat funny, um, and that you would like sit on the edge of your seat and even like nod, so do, let's just have a little practice here. Um, I just want you to do this, do this, right? It just makes a pastor feel like you're listening, all right? And then I just want you to do it real quiet because I realize we're not used to it here, but we'll just do a little quiet go, amen. Just do it real quiet, amen, amen. Okay, and then now I want you to do a louder amen. 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 Yeah. How about preach it, brother? Ready? Preach it, brother. Hallelujah, right? No, it's not gonna happen, John. Hey, would you, would you welcome John as he comes and ministers this morning? Well, good morning, church. Can we give Jesus just an ovation of worship this morning? Amen. Come on. The king of the world. Amen. 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 Well, man, I am blessed to be here with you this morning. I am excited uh, to have my chocolate face in the place. And... Uh, Man, I'm I just blessed to be here, part of your uh, church family today. Um, yeah, I, I, this is just an amazing time. I had an amazing time at, at Venue last night, a great service earlier this morning. Uh, and I guess you already know, but I am a church planter from uh, the Mount Clemens area. We're launching New Anthem Church. What you may not know is uh, that I'm a black guy. And uh, so there you go. Um, so... Uh, but we're, I'm just blessed to be a part of your church family. I love the fact that we can celebrate the Big C Church, uh, churches helping churches. We would not be able to do what we are doing with New Anthem Church without this church. And so we're so grateful for every single one of you guys. Um, and my wife is also here uh, with us this morning. My Caucasian queen is here. And... Uh, so thankful for that as well. And I wanted to uh, just take a moment and just give honor to your pastor as well. Pastor Phil has uh, uh, been such an encouragement. He's actually on our board of overseers and he's been such an encouragement and a voice of wisdom on our board and encouragement to uh, my wife and I. And so can we just give some praise and honor to your pastor? Yeah. Thank you. And maybe more importantly, his wife, Tammy, also. Yes, uh, uh, his better half, his better half. You weren't sitting there last service. <laughs> uh, but man, I'm just blessed to be a part of your church family. I wanted to take a moment and kind of kind of uh, give you a little bit of my story. I was born in the city of Detroit. And uh, I, I was born in, uh, when I, I was put into foster care at nine months old, my biological parents couldn't take care of me. I was placed in, in a foster home. And my foster parents adopted me at the age of three. It took a couple years for them to realize how cute I was and that they wanted to adopt me and so um and so they adopted me at the age of three and my foster parents are the two whitest people on earth 
Um, I mean, and I mean that. They make Pastor Phil here look like a gangster. Um, and so and that's a true story. Uh, and so, so they, they, they are awesome people, though. Um, and they, they raised me in the metro Detroit area. I was in Southfield for a bit, and I was in, like, Orion. And, and uh, my, tad, my dad retired from GM and, and then moved us up to uh, Indian River, Michigan, northern Michigan. Anyone know where Indian River is? Okay, awesome. A lot of you. So, and so you guys know, then, that that's where white people originated from, right? <laughs> was Indian River, Michigan. Uh, so, I mean, 1,200 people, population 1,200 people, a little bit different than Metro Detroit. And uh, so the rest of my childhood from 11 until um, later on in high school, that's, that's where I uh, grew up. And, uh, and I remember getting to the end of my high school years, about 17 years old, and uh, the church that I attended in Indian River actually offered me a position at the church, my first church position while I was still in high school. And I don't know what was wrong with them, why they would hire uh, a high schooler to, to lead their youth ministry, but I'm glad they did because I carried on in, in ministry and worship ministry and youth ministry uh, from then on, and, and God brought my ministry to Traverse City, Michigan, and I was there for 10 years, which is where I met my wife, and we met doing uh, ministry together in the church, everything from children's to worship to youth and teaching ministry, pretty much everything. We absolutely love the church. We love the local church, and uh, we believe that is God's plan A for the hope of the world. We believe it is God's plan A for, for life transformation, for soul transformation, for revival. We believe that it is God's plan A. And, uh, and so we're just excited to be launching this thing. It was about a year and a half ago while we were in uh, Tra Traverse City that God started stirring this passion in my wife and I to launch a life-giving church. And, and what we felt God speak specifically to us and, our, and a specific assignment was that we were supposed to go to an overlooked area. We were supposed to come back home and, 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 and find a, uh, a overlooked community to launch a life-giving church. And so uh, we're excited to be back in uh, Metro Detroit to be launching a church in Mount Clemens. Our heartbeat is, to, is for Mount Clemens and to be a church that's for the city and for our community, for uh, the county of Macomb. Um, 879,000 people in Macomb County, only 9% are evangelical uh, churchgoers. So there's so much work that needs to be done and we're excited for the challenge, we're excited for the work ahead and, uh, and we're blessed to be again here with you this morning sharing the word, sharing our heartbeat, sharing our vision and uh, we're gonna be getting into the word today. We are finishing a series called The Bridge and, uh, and, and, and what a great series. I've actually uh, kind of caught up on, uh, on kind of the series online and, and so I kind of know where you guys are at and, 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 and we're, the, the title of my message today is, is Being the Bridge to bring people to the bridge. Being a bridge that bring people to the bridge. How do we be a bridge that brings people to the bridge of Jesus? Because as we've discovered in this series, uh, the last few weeks, that the bridge ultimately is Jesus. That, that the only way we have a hope or a prayer to getting to the holy God of heaven is, is by this bridge of Jesus. As it says in Colossians, that, that, that we have been, we've been separated. We are in the dominion of darkness. And, and when Jesus enters the equation, we get transferred, we get, we get pulled up, we get plucked up and placed into the kingdom of the son he loves. In other words, Jesus is the bridge that we can be forever connected to the God of heaven. And Jesus is the bridge to hope. And Jesus is the bridge to freedom, no matter what we face in our life, in all of our brokenness, in all of our confusion, in all of our fractured humanity, in all of our insecurity, in all of our addiction, all of it, Jesus is our bridge. Jesus is our answer. 
And if I could just lay this before us this, this morning as, as kind of a premise for my message, I, I truly believe that it is the heart of God, it is the intention of God, that we would take this information that we have found and actually do something with it. You see, there's, there's this idea in our culture, especially today, that when we find something good, and we find something that's us, and we find something that, that's, that's life-changing, we find something that's, that's awesome, that affects our life, when we find something positive, man, we need to hold it tight, and we need to not let it go. We need to not let everyone, anyone speak to it, anyone see it. This is, this is ours, and, and to hold it tightly. And I believe that, that our assignment as believers, our assignment as Christians here on this earth is actually to do the opposite, which is why Jesus gave us the great commission. And before Jesus ascends back into heaven, he doesn't say to hold and hide it under our bush, oh no, but to go therefore to all nations, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you to do. In other words, people, church, colonial woods to go and be the bridge that brings people to the bridge, that brings people to the bridge of Jesus. I believe that this is God's intention for us today. And so I, I believe there's, some, there's, a, there's a lot of different uh, stories throughout the New Testament, really throughout the entire Bible that we can be looking at. But ultimately, I think the thing that's going to be most helpful for us as we, as we kind of dive in and, and, and really try to discover how we can truly be a bridge to those around us, a bridge to, uh, to, to, to our coworkers, a bridge to our families, a bridge to our, our friends and our neighbors and those down the street. Uh, how, I, I believe the, the place that we need to look first is the person and the work of Jesus. And so we're going to be in the Gospels today. We're actually going to be in the book of Luke, uh, uh, verse five, or chapter 5, verse 15. If you have their Bibles, you can turn with me. Uh, the words are also going to be uh, on the insert in your bulletin. But I'd love you to follow along. We're going to be going verse by verse, expositorily, taking apart the scripture verse by verse, and pulling out some information and, and pulling out some application that I believe when we apply to our lives can allow us as Christians to know exactly how to be a bridge that bring people to the bridge of Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of Luke, and I want to give a, a quick backdrop before we jump into the word today. So, so in, the, in the book of Luke, Luke gives so much verbiage all throughout uh, this book about Jesus, and, and he stresses more than, uh, in, in, I believe, in more than any other book uh, about Jesus' miracles, and Jesus, specifically with Jesus' healings, I believe because he was a doctor. And so he, he gives all this descriptive teaching about his healings, and, and in our story we're going to read today, Jesus Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he's on fire. He is just, he is just, he's healing people, he's preaching, and everyone wants a piece of Jesus, and everyone wants to see what he's going to do next, and everyone wants to see what his next move is, and so everything about Jesus just drew people, and he was drawing not just hundreds, but thousands, and he was drawing a crowd anywhere he went, and he's in this series of miracles in our text, and, and, and Jesus, we find him in this scene in Luke 5, and he's actually at a house. He's at this house. And at this house, there's this massive group of people. In fact, there's so many people that no one else can even actually get into the house. 
And I'm sure there's fan, there was uh, people there that were, would be fans of Jesus, but there was also, the Bible tells us, Pharisees, religious leaders, teachers of the law, scribes, in other words, pastors that were there, many of which were wanting to try to corner him like the Pharisees so often did, like these religious leaders so often did, were trying to corner Jesus, were trying to uh, accuse him of something, was trying to prove in some way that he wasn't who he was claiming to be. And so we see this interaction at this house. And in this scene, we enter a paralyzed man. We enter a paralyzed man, but he, he's not alone. He's being carried by a group of, of, of men. Now, we don't know anything about the paralyzed man. We don't know anything about the group of men. It doesn't even give us uh, their names. They, there's, there's very little information that's given, but here's what we do know. They're, they're carrying this paralyzed man, and all that this group of men know is that they need to get this man to Jesus. The only thing that this group of men carrying this paralyzed man know is that they need to get him to Jesus because Jesus can make the difference. And so they try to get into this house where Jesus was teaching and Jesus was talking and everyone was listening and they couldn't even get in. And so they climbed uh, this, up these steps onto the top of the house and they just made a hole in the roof of the house and lowered the man down so he could get to Jesus. And it's in this interaction that we see God speak something very specific into this paralyzed man's life. He transforms him in a couple different ways that we're gonna be looking at today. And we see also an interaction with the Pharisees. Ultimately, I believe, found in, in the, the recesses of the story is a truth that when we unpack it, it can empower us as followers of Jesus Christ to know how to be the bridge that lead people to the bridge of Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. So we're going to be reading today in the book of Luke, verse 5. Before we do that, I'm just going to pray and offer this morning up to God. Can you bow your heads with me? God, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your written word. We ask that it would speak to each heart, that it would be words that would literally jump off of the page, jump off of the book and right into our hearts and right into our souls. God, this morning, I pray that I would decrease, God, that you would increase. God, would I even disappear so that you your message, your word, your transforming work can be on display, God. We thank you for your spirit. We ask that it would open up the word to our hearts, God. Our ears are open, our hearts are open and listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So let's read together uh, Luke 5. We're going to start at verse 15. Verse 15, so yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now this is kind of an awkward place to start in our story, but I wanted to start here for a reason because we haven't really got to the story yet. This is actually a couple verses that are in between a series of miracles that Jesus did. So Jesus had actually just got done doing some miracles. He's just about to go uh, and start doing some miracles in this next story. But this is a critical piece of information for us. We need to understand this as the church, that we want to do great things for God, and we want to do great things for the kingdom of God and reach those and be a bridge that bring people to the bridge of Jesus Christ. But we need to understand that we can't do that alone. We can't do that assignment alone. And guess what? We can't do that assignment empty either. 
You, you see, there's this idea that when we're passionate, when we're excited, when we're doing things that, that, that's really, uh, I mean, just so important, maybe more important than anything, because people are going to hell and people are, are in need and people are suffering. And so, so we need to go and we need to be aggressive and we need to, but guess what? We can't do that if we don't have margin in our life. And so I wanted to start from this premise. We can't go into this idea. We can't live the lives that God has destined us to live as followers of Jesus Christ that are active in the kingdom of God if we're going in empty, if we're going in, if we're going in not full of his spirit, if we're going in not prayed up, if we're, if we're going in not, not meditated. I love that the story starts here. Jesus is in between miracles, and it says that he's actually getting alone to pray, but the Bible goes out of its way to say, and he did this often. He often said, see you later, and he, and he, he goes off by himself. Why? To recover, to commune with God, to get filled back up to stay in connection and in step with the God of heaven. This is a picture of how we should be. So we need to start at the right premise. We need to have the right starting point if we're gonna do, be impactful, if we're gonna be useful Christians for the kingdom of God. We need to start at the right place. There has to be margin there. Let's continue on. Verse 17, it says this. One day, Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And we need to just stop right there for a moment. We need to stop right there for a moment. I, I love this picture that is painted, but we can't just kind of read through the details in the story. We have to kind of take apart what's happening here because there's some, there's some lessons hidden in this text. Now, let, let's talk about the paralyzed man for a minute and the men that were carrying him. The Bible is usually communicates to us if there's some kind of relation, like if it was a brother, if it was a series of brothers that was carrying a brother, the Bible gives us that information, either in the Old Testament or New Testament. Because we don't have that information, we can assume that they were probably just acquaintances. Now, now this is impactful for us because these acquaintances, maybe they were friends, maybe they've been friends for years, whatever the case may be, these men, all they knew is that they need to get him to Jesus. They had such desperation, they're carrying him on a mat. We don't even know how far. It could have been miles that they're carrying this man on a mat because all they knew is that they needed to get to Jesus and, and get something, get something for this paralyzed man. I wonder who here this morning has that person in your life who's been paralyzed in sin, who's been paralyzed in addiction, who's been paralyzed in insecurity, who's been paralyzed in fear, who's been paralyzed with some kind of ailment, something in their life that God has called you to carry. That is, God has called you to carry for a while so that they can see Jesus, so you can bring them to Jesus. I wonder if there's someone in your life today. I love this picture. These group of men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat to lay him before Jesus. Friends, if we're going to have a hope at being a bridge that brings people to the bridge of Jesus, number one is we have to have a heart for the hurting. We have to have a heart for the hurting. These men had a heart for the hurting. Who knows what their story was? Who knows what their, their real relationship or their history was with this paralyzed man? But all they knew is that he had a need and he needed healing, and that's all they needed to know. And they got involved, 
and this man's life was transformed as we're going to discover today. We have to have a heart for the hurting. Let's continue on in our story. Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this, when they couldn't find a way to get into the house because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now back then, the the houses, uh, they, they were flat on top. And they had steps that went up to them. And the reason for that was when it was too uh, hot inside the house at night, sometimes uh, people would go and climb up the stairs and sleep on top where it was a lot cooler. And so that, that's what this men did. But we need to, we need to get a picture of what's going to happen. They're, they're, they, they, they started ripping apart the tiles. This is crazy. And so they're on the roof of the, this house, and they're creating a, a, a hole in this roof. Now you have to ask yourself, man, if that was my house, like... <laughs> Like, for real, though, like, like if, if that was my house, and, and we don't, the Bible, unfortunately, doesn't, doesn't let us know what the fallout was. I was, I mean, I read ahead. There is no, there's no information on what the fallout was, uh, uh, but they, they just, they, in desperation, now, some biblical scholars think that it was, it was Peter's house, some think it was James's house. We don't know whose house it was. All we know is they're in desperation. They're getting this man to Jesus, whatever it takes, and they start breaking through breaking through this person's roof to get to Jesus. Everyone say breakthrough. I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning who God's put in your path, who God's put on your block, who God's put in your street that is wanting to see breakthrough on your behalf. And here's what I mean by that, that God's wanting to see breakthrough and God's wanting you to maybe break through that, that icy shell, that exterior of resentment, that, that exterior of, of bitterness, maybe that, that turns a lot of people off. Maybe God has specifically placed you and designed you to break through that shell so they can get to Jesus, so they can see Jesus. I love that. They, they broke through. They started ripping up the tiles and so they could send this man down to see Jesus. I want to ask this question this morning. What, what if there are people in your life that are only going to get to Jesus by you going above and beyond? What if, what if there are specific people that are only going to get to Jesus by you going above and beyond, by you extending your, your hand of, of love, by you extending your hand of grace to them? What if, what if the only way they're going to get to see Jesus is by you ultimately getting your hands dirty? You see, we have to have a heart for the hurting, but that means more than just feeling bad for the less fortunate. Ultimately, it means getting our hands dirty as a church, which actually means going against the status quo and going against the, the cultural norm and the social norm to, to show people the radical love of God. You want to know what makes love radical? That it's radical that it's illogical, that it doesn't make any sense, that it's not what anyone else would do. And if we want to see things that no one else sees, we have to do things that no one else would do. We have to love people in a radical way. And because so many of us, we would stop at the door. These men are carrying this paralyzed man. And so many of us, we stop, we stop at the door. They didn't stop at the door, did they? They stopped, they're like plan B. And they got up on a roof and started ripping a hole in some dude's roof. I love that. Because all they know is that they're getting this man to Jesus. Verse 20 says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now we need to pause here for a second. 
because so many of us read this, read this wrong. In fact, I read through this five or, or six times before I realized that, that he wasn't solely talking to the paralyzed man, saying, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Let, let's read it again. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. In other words, he could have been addressing the paralyzed man, but he was also addressing the group of men that, that brought him there, that were carrying him on the mat. And so ultimately, what Jesus is saying, because the collective faith of this group, he declares over their life, he declares over this paralyzed man's life, your sins are forgiven. This is huge. This is huge. What they say of you, what they say of me, on behalf of our faith, on behalf of Colonial Woods' faith, your sins are forgiven. Jesus works on the internal first. Jesus worked on the internal first. As I was reading this story and I came to this part, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. If doesn't it kind of feel like the story's coming to a close? Like, okay, sounds good. Your sins, awesome. His sins are forgiven. Hold on a second. We read back and we're like, he's still paralyzed. Hold on a second. He's still paralyzed. What, what's going on here? Because Jesus dealt with the internal before he dealt with the external. And you know what? We can't get it twisted because even when Jesus deals with the internal and God does something supernatural that affects our external and what we can see, even that is for the purpose of transforming the internal. Amen. And so Jesus deals with the internal and the Pharisees respond to this. The Pharisees that are in the room that see what's going on, they respond. They're the Debbie Downers. Verse 22, is, or it's, uh, verse 21, it says this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Uh, who can forgive sins but God alone? They're thinking this is what's going on in their head. I love, I love the response. Let's look how Jesus responds. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew the thoughts that were going on in their head because he's Jesus. And he says this, why are you thinking these things in your heart? And then Jesus gets just real dramatic and real theatrical like he always does. And I, I love this. Let's watch what he says. he says. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, both are impossible. And, and for them, it, both are impossible. To, the, to his audience, to these Pharisees, both are absolutely impossible. And, and Jesus is addressing something. And, and, then, and things are about to, there's about to be a shift. There's about to be a dramatic shift in the text where Jesus is about to get real dramatic. This is like the Hallmark movie, like intensity, like shift that's about to happen. And Jesus continues on. And he says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says, man, this day, talking to the Pharisees, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know who I am and what authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. You're going to know who I am. And he looks to the Pharisee and then he stops talking to the Pharisee and he turns to the paralyzed man. And he says, take up your mat, get up and go home. Take your mat, get up, and walk. Whew. I love it. Man, man this, is, this is 
Jesus. This is absolutely crazy. Ultimately, this is a collision course between religion and the gospel, right? Whereas religion would, would stone, whereas religion would say, you gotta, you gotta work and you gotta, you gotta hustle and you gotta kinda white knuckle it to get to God. You gotta climb up the ladder to get to God. The gospel would declare to you today that so great was his love for you that Jesus was actually sent down the ladder to get into our dirt to save our souls. That's how loved you are. Not because of our merits, not because of how good we try to be, not because we check all the right boxes, we go to church enough times. It's not because of any of that. Because it's a God, it's because he is a God of love. And this God of love sent his son down into his imperfect creation to be the bridge for us. Amen. This is such good news for us this morning. This is absolutely crazy, this interaction that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. It's a supernatural boldness that has taken place here in this text. And I believe that this is a, a hidden lesson for every single one of us. If we want to be a bridge, if we have a hope for being the bridge to those around us that bring people to the bridge of Jesus Christ, we have to start believing God for that boldness. We have to believe, start believing God for the same boldness in our life. It's almost not fair, right? Because Jesus knew the outcome. Jesus knew the outcome of everything he was going to say and everything he was going to do. He knew the supernatural things that were going to take place even before they took place. Jesus knew the outcome. We don't know the outcome. We live in the world of the tangible, and it can be so hard for us to step out in boldness. But doesn't the Bible say that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say? Man, man, but we could get rejected, right? We can get, some of us, we, we are bold in our faith. We do step out. We invite people to church. We share Christ. We defend our faith. And, and 99 times out of 100, we get rejected. But doesn't Jesus go after the one? You see, what boldness does, when we believe God for boldness, it, it allows us to step out in faith and not just be good Christians, but be useful Christians that can do something significant for the sake of the gospel that echoes into eternity. We have to believe God for boldness. We have to have a heart for the hurting. And I get that it's easier said than done. And I, I, I get that it's a rhythm and something that we have to develop. And, and I, 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 that, honestly, even the church that we're building in Mount Clemens that, that wants to have that culture of reaching out and being the hands and feet in, of Jesus, even, even as we try to model that, it's a struggle because we could get rejected or they could get mad or we could offend someone. I remember I was at my my wife's work a few months ago, and she has a coworker who's who's tried to get pregnant uh, three or four times, and she's had three or four miscarriages. This, three or four miscarriages. The last time it was triplets, and she was pretty far along. It was just a terrible situation. And and my wife and I would always we'd always pray for her, but we'd always talk about man, we should actually like man lay hands on her and pray for her because she because she had came to us and said man I'm going to try one more time. I'm going to try one more time. We're going to try to get pregnant. We're going to go in. We're going to see how you know how it's all going. We have this appointment coming up. And so I, I was visiting my wife in the office and, and, and just saying hi to her, and, and uh, her coworker was there. And I remember the Holy Spirit pressed it on my heart so, so strongly, so powerfully that, man, you, you need to pray for her. You need to lay hands on her. You need to pray for her. And I just remember going, no. 
and, and walking, walking out to my car and actually coming back in. I was like starting to head to the door and I remember coming back in, just being overwhelmed with conviction, just coming back in. I'm like, oh, this isn't gonna end well. And so I was like, hey, um, well, I mean, you know, I'm a pastor. I, listen, I, my, my wife and I know your story. We know everything going on. We, I just want you to know, first of all, we've been praying with you. We've been, we're, and we are, our church, whole, our whole team is praying for you, but you have, a, you have an appointment coming up. It's, it's serious. This is kind of make or break time. This is the last time you're gonna try. Can we just lay hands on you that, that God would just do a miracle? That God would just do something supernatural? And she said, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. And so I you know, awkwardly kind of like shimmied around like the counter and, and she got up from her desk and, and my wife was there and she came over and we just, we laid hands on her and just started praying and praying in faith, believing God for a miracle, believing that God would do something supernatural. And only about a week later, she had, she had let us know after her appointment that not only was she pregnant, but the babies were healthy, that she was on track, that, that God had done a miracle inside of her. And, and, uh, and she's actually about to have her kids, uh, I think just a week before our church launch. So um, twins, right? Yeah, twins. So God is so good, isn't he? We can praise him for that. But we got to believe God for boldness. What would have been the outcome? Do, do we believe that prayer, that, that prayer makes a difference? Do we believe as a church that prayer does something? Or we, do we believe that the word of God is actually, uh, what it says is, is, is real and, and, actually, and actually makes a difference in our life? When we start believing that and we step out in boldness and we start stepping out in faith, we can start seeing these things, I believe, on a regular basis. I believe these stories should be the norm and a regular thing at the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so let, let's just see how this story ends in, in, in verse 25. Let's finish this up. It says this, immediately, so the man, the man um, uh, Jesus speaks into the man. He says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 25 says, immediately, he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed, and everyone gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Another translation says, we've seen, seen some strange things today. But ultimately, do you know what I call that picture that's painted for us in this chapter in Luke? I call that revival. I call that revival. You see, Jesus, he walked in this reality of revival. It was just his reality. Now, sure, it could be argued that, man, he, he knew the outcome. Of course, he could walk in the reality of revival. But when we, we walk in faith, just like this, that group of men that were carrying the paralyzed man, they were walking in faith. They were walking in a reality of revival. And all they knew is that, that something, God's going to do something supernatural, that Jesus is going to do something supernatural. And if they can just get him to Jesus and, and we'll do whatever it takes, even, even break through a hole in a roof, when, when we live in that reality of revival, we can start believing God for boldness. Believing God that we can be used to do supernatural things. And we believe God for boldness. It activates this longing and this passion and this heart for the hurting. See, I believe that this is God's design. I mean, we want, we want to know how to be a bridge that bring people to the bridge of Jesus. We have to be willing to get our hands dirty. We have to be willing to go above and beyond, to have a whatever it takes mentality, to not wanna keep this fire and keep this beautiful thing that we have in our relationship with Jesus to ourselves, 
but to share it with the world, to go and to share it with the world. In Luke 12, it says, Jesus says this, that I've come that the world might be set ablaze, but how I wish that fire were already kindled. Man, that verse haunts me. I've come that the world might be set on fire, but how I wish that, that fire, that, that flame was already kindled, talking about this revival on earth. You know, I said it before, the church was God's plan A for life transformation. That we, the church, would be God's plan A. Would they say on behalf of Colonial Woods Church that we were people who had a heart for the hurting, who believed God for boldness, who lived in a reality of revival. Amen, church. And would God say of us, well done, that good and faithful servants. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning and this time together. We thank you for the moments now that we share. God, I pray as the, this music plays that you start to bring people to our minds that, that we need to be a, a little bit more bold with, that we need to start coming outside of our comfort zone and even risk rejection to start showing people your love, to start showing people your goodness, God. We, we just want more of you. We wanna see more of you in our life. We wanna see other people come to know who you are. We want other people to find what we've found and we want you to use us to make that happen. And so God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you do use us, not because of our merits, not because we're good enough, but because you use broken and imperfect people to do your good work here on earth. And so God, we just say we love you and we thank you for everything that you are and everything that you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.